Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Saints Hour. Mike Koss here with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And Mickey, I was reminded by several Houdats over the last couple of days, you know, hey, the sky's not falling. It is October 3rd. We haven't even had our first cold front yet you know it's 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 way early two and two you know there's only 18 games i get it every loss is tough and it feels to me and that's the question that it's really more about the way the last two losses have been and not just the fact that they're losses it's kind of how they happened yeah look uh um i thought we played um did some really good things in the green bay game um we let it get away from us in the last quarter. Um, I think there were some circumstances there out of our control, but but it happened. Um, last game was a little different. We didn't play well. I didn't think we played well in in on either side of the ball, and we we made some mistakes that we just can't make um, and expect to uh, to beat a good football team. So we've got to get that corrected. And and look, I agree. The sky's not falling, and yet. We also have to act like it is falling in some degree to some degree and have a sense of urgency about um, improving, paying attention to details. And um, otherwise, we're going to find ourselves in the same boat, um, you know, week after week. What is kind of the message? Because, it, again, week, uh, week four, two and two, if you look over the last nine years, the Saints have had four two and two starts. One including 2020, where you one game away from the NFC Championship game. So better than two and two in the last nine years, twice. Worse than two and two in the last nine years, four times. So you, this is not, you know, this is not a horrific place to be in. But as you say, what's the message from the building top down as it works its way through you to Dennis? Yeah, I, I think the message is is look, we've got we've got to understand, we got to be realistic about about what um, we're doing that is not allowing us to win. We gotta be realistic about it and we have to go about making corrections. Um, I, I think we all believe we have a good football team, and, but yet we're not playing you know, well. Um, we've done some really good things even within these games, uh, but we've got to put that all together. And that, that comes from preparation uh, during the week and then being ready and, and and, uh, um, you know, taking advantage of the circumstances and the opportunities on the weekend. Um, so I don't think I don't think there's panic. And yet we need to have urgency. 
That's that's probably a, an excellent way uh, to to describe it. You know, uh, you and and Dennis both talk uh, a lot about situational football. And if you look at this, it's just this past Sunday. I mean, it, it becomes we had three scoring drives: uh, eleven plays, twelve plays, fourteen plays, eighteen minutes of clock. But you got the three field goals, and they had seventeen plays, ten plays. Then they had the two play. Uh, drive because of the fumble, but it's 14 minutes a clock. So it's kind of the worst of both worlds because you're both chewing up pretty good, solid chunks of time. You're scoring field goals. They're scoring touchdowns. I mean, that is exactly kind of what, what you talk about with situational football. Yeah, I think I think that's been a little bit of the theme of, of our all four games this season is we've moved the ball Um effectively at times and yet we you know we get to the red zone and we'll have a negative play we'll have something that'll happen a penalty um and we end up kicking a field goal we've got to uh you know we've got to convert um red zone opportunities into touchdowns and historically we've been pretty good at that so we've got to get back to that we end look our, our coaches on offense our players on offense all understand that this is not this is not some uh, um deep secret <laughs> um we understand what needs to be done, and we're going to go about uh, uh, attacking that and see if we can get it corrected. I guess that's kind of the, the 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 question is diagnosing what we just talked about, right? Maybe that's you know, and then addressing it. When you look at your offense or your defense, whatever whatever you choose, uh, the things that are fixable, right? And I hate to use the word fixable because that, that's probably a bad word to use, but better execution in the red zone it's it's it is the if it were just one thing like sacks or penalties you know that's different but it, it is it's never the same thing so i guess there are things out there offensively and defensively that can be worked on and i hate to use the word again fixed but that's what it is during the week yeah i look it would be much easier if it was one thing that we needed to correct and and uh, one area that we needed to correct but i think you know, each week it's been something a little different. It's not any one player, one position group, or one thing. It's been uh, just a culmination of of some other things. And uh, um, we understand that. It gets back to, hey, do your job, do just your job, and do it well, and then everything will come together. And so I think that's the message more than anything else is let's let's each of us do our jobs uh, to the best of our ability, and the end result will um, be what we desire especially when it comes to something like tackling we've we kind of focused a lot on the offense i thought that tyron matthew after the game said and this i'm just quoting he said he said we're falling back into some of the patterns where we think someone else is going to make the tackle and that's you know that's that is you know that's that stuff that can be worked on during the week and that's 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 exactly what you want to avoid but i mean he, he kind of said it yeah um Look, I, I think we've we've played some really good defense for the most part during um, during these four games. I, I felt like we've had a couple lapses in the last six quarters that have really hurt us. Uh, we've had some penalties that have really hurt us um, at really inopportune times um, over the last couple games. And so we just have has to be aware of that. We have to put our, not put ourselves in that position. Um, where we can have a critical, you know, mistake at a critical point in time. And so look, our players and coaches understand that. Um, and I, I, I'm really confident they'll get that corrected. 
We are speaking with the Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. The Saints go on the road for back-to-back weeks. In fact, it's four straight weeks against the AFC at New England this Sunday, then at Houston, then back home for a Thursday night game on a short week, then back on the road to Indianapolis. We'll step aside, take a break, talk more with Mickey Loomis on the backside. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We are back here on the Saints Hour, Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. And Mickey, typically early on in NFL seasons, we do see defenses a little ahead of of offenses at the start of the year. And if you kind of take away Miami, they're always going to be skewed because of the 70-point effort. Buffalo, San Fran, Dallas. And you have the drop-off after that from an offensive standpoint. You have 13 teams. So 41% of your teams out there are averaging 20 points or less. It, It feels like it's the... Defense being out of the offense is more pronounced this year than at least I can remember. Yeah, I, I look, I really haven't spent a lot of time uh, looking at that yet. Um, but, you know, historically, you're, you're right. Typically, the offenses are a little uh, slower at the front end of the season, and, and they kind of catch up to the defense and, and uh, produce more points as the season goes along. So. Um, Hopefully that's the case for us. <laughs> yeah. Is and is some of that and every team's doing it. It's not it's not a criticism. I'm just wondering you're back to three uh preseason games. Uh and so you, you, a lot you, you know, training camps are hard and and long and you don't want to get guys hurt. So you really don't see a lot of the starters playing in the preseason game. Now you you do in these these uh these practices, these team practices, they've been so beneficial, but is some of the offenses, I mean, NFL being a little slow, maybe just is that a result of the preseason maybe? Well, I, I think it certainly could be. Um, and I think that's an area that we need to look at really closely. I'm talking uh, about we the Saints. We need to look at that really closely. And, you know, how are we operating during training camp? The, 
I'm 100% with you that the practices against uh, another team during training camp are really valuable. And yet it's not exactly game situation. It's not it's not the same as a preseason game. And so it's controlled. And so we have a better we feel better about that in terms of health and safety and 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 preventing injuries. And yet, is it the right way to prepare um, to get a fast start on the season? It's just an area we have to look at, uh, uh, pay a lot of attention to, and uh, we will. The other than having an international game on your schedule, which you don't, does the team, the organization, have any say so, any vote whatsoever in when your bye week comes? Um, no. That's right. just it. Just uh, um, it's delivered to us. If you do have an international game, you can elect to choose uh, uh, and have the bye week uh, on on the backside of that international game. Um, you know, when we played in London uh, last week, we we elected not to do the bye that week because we felt like it was early. too early in the season. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you really don't have a choice. Yeah, I I. I, I... I, th- I kind of I, I you're in the 11th week that's your bye week it's in between two road games seems pretty pretty good I only brought it up because Tampa like this is the very first week you could actually have a bye and Tampa does get a bye uh again it is what it is I was just kind of curious if, if if anybody had any kind of kind of kind of say so in it I mean there's you can make arguments either side it's, it's a good time or a bad time it is what it is but uh I was just curious uh, yeah I think I think look the I think most of us would prefer to have a bye week at the midpoint, and yet it, it always feels like whenever the bye comes, it, it feels like, man, we really needed it, right. <laughs> uh, whether it comes early or whether it comes late. Um, and then there's, you know, there's the effect of the Thursday games, um, which creates a short week on the front end, but a long uh, period on the back end. And we have, you know, we have two of those. So those are in, a, in effect a mini bye. Um, um, and, and we've got a couple of those this season. You know, one is at home, so you'll you'll have you'll play on the road in Houston, and then ha- come home for a Thursday night with Jacksonville, and then you'll be home for the Giants on December seventeenth, and then go on the road to LA right. for, for Thursday night. I mean, it's you know that that third that second Thursday night game, the twenty first, is that that is that one that can get flexed, or do you, is that one do they stay kind of in position? No, I think those I think those stay in position. Yeah. Uh, as you pull away, you know, some of the positives from from, you know, the game with Tampa. And I know it, it's it's not easy, but I look I look at that that third quarter drive. It was just 14 six. Start at your own 29. And, and, and that is when we kind of saw the really the Alvin Kamara that we all thought that we would from from the get go. And again, he, he hadn't played right as his first action. But he goes plus nine, plus six, uh, Carr to Mike Thomas, plus eight, Alvin plus 13, Taysom plus four, Carr to Alvin plus eight. Now, you do bog down in the red zone, but that that drive from an offensive flow felt about as as kind of, you know, scripted and, and as solid as ever. Yeah, look, there's some flashes of some things. You know, you just mentioned it, having Alvin back out there, um, he, he had a lot of targets, got a lot of receptions, not a lot of yards uh, uh, receiving. And yet, you know, he had 11 carries for, for uh, 51 yards, a 4.6 uh, yard average running the football. So there's some good things there. It's good to see Mike Thomas kind of get back to being 
that Mike Thomas we know uh, over these last four games. And then look, I'm really excited about about uh, um, Chris Olave and and Rashid Shaheed and the things that they can do. Um, I felt like the offensive line performed better this last week. We need to continue to improve there, but we also need to um, we need to have some consistency in in terms of who we've got out there. And so we haven't been able to do that because of you know various injuries. So there's some things that that uh, um, I feel like um, I see signs of that gelling together, and and uh, it needs to happen quickly. Yeah, and again, uh, yeah, I agree. And hopefully, you get. It's a it's a domino effect. If you get Cesar Ruiz back, he goes back to right guard. Hurst goes back to left guard. You get Paulson and Debo back, then Alante stays in the slot. I mean, there's a lot of things that have to happen. We'll we'll, we'll see on on Wednesday when when they really get back to practice. But you know, just having like Mike Thomas around in week five, right? In the last few years, he hadn't been around in week five. So I I 100 percent agree with you. Um, yeah, I think I think the other thing about Mike that's uh, uh you know we, we tend to overlook is he's a he's a really passionate player, um, and you know this is this is a game of emotion in a lot of ways. You have to have passion for the game, and you have to have energy, and and man, he brings that. And and I think sometimes we, yeah, we certainly miss the 149 catches that he had that one season, but we also miss his passion for the game, his passion to compete. Um, that's contagious. And, and so I appreciate that being back uh, on the field for us um, along with, you know, his ability as a receiver. Going to take a break. We're going to step aside. We'll be back with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend, or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Hoss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Lewis, will be speaking later on in the broadcast with Rob Ninkovich, the former Saint draft pick, played with New England and the Saints. He's had a very interesting uh, NFL career uh, with both teams, uh, even Miami, Super Bowls, uh, lots of things to talk to Rob about. So uh, he'll be joining us a, a little later. And as you 
And you go back to the last time these two teams played, it was 2021, Saints at New England. You get three interceptions, one of them a pick six, and you, you want to draw up a, a game plan and a script to win on the road. Uh, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, look, um, listen, they're, they're just like us. They're desperate for a win. Um, coming off a game where they probably didn't feel like they put their best foot forward just like we did. So uh, we're going to have two desperate teams with with uh, um, really great coaches. Um, you know, it's well documented what Bill and his staff have done over the years. So we're going we're gonna to have to bring our A game um, in order to be competitive and, and try to get a win. Yeah. And there's no, I mean, you know, this is not a question, but I mean, obviously, you know, their, their schedule, if you were a Patriot fan, you could say, what, what are the, what did we do to the NFL? I mean, they opened up with Philly, Miami, and it's the Jets. But remember, this would have been the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, right? And then at Dallas. So those four games, I mean, they're one and three record, uh, but that opening four, again, the Jets wasn't Aaron Rodgers, but still that's, that's a pretty strong opening four. Yeah, and look, you know, when those schedules come out, you always look at what, what happened the year before, and that kind of dictates how you feel about the strength of the schedule. But but here's what the thing. Every year, um, you're not playing last year's team. You're playing this year's team. And, and you know, we'll, we'll have to wait till the end of the season to determine how tough uh, or easy each of our schedules um, really are. Yeah, no, I know this. They're going to be ready to play. We're going to uh, We're going to have to bring our A game. And uh, I'm confident we'll do that. All right. I mean, again, as, as you said, it's not sometimes, you know, it's when you plan, you know, depending on, you know, the situation there. But for, you know, for a Bill Belichick defense, and this is a team that's one and three, they're still 10th best passing, 10th best rushing defense. I mean, this is a typical. Now, they've lost a couple of players that we know are not going to be there, Matthew, uh, Matthew Judon and, and their cornerback. Uh, uh, Gonzalez, but uh, we, even still, this defense with Bill Belichick still one of the best. Yep, absolutely. Any reason when you look at the franchise now? Again, I mean, it's you know they the franchises mirror themselves in a way because they had Tom Brady and Drew Brees, but franchise and organizational success um as to why both franchises from the ownership down have been successful for such a long time uh, even beyond their quarterbacks well i don't know that you can say beyond their quarterbacks because listen you, you you know you get you get um a drew Brees or tom brady um you pair them with a great coach you know bill belichick i think chum payton's a great coach um look that's the recipe for success and the rest of it uh you know we fill in with so um, we've got to get back to that. You know, we've got to get back to having success we, you know, and having success to me is making the playoffs and being a serious contender for a championship. And that's what we're striving for. And then I know that's what they're striving for as well. So, um, you have to, you know, sometimes you have to overcome some things and you have to overcome, you know, injuries and you have to, you know, restock your team, restock your roster. Um, but I think the principles that you, you, you know, you um, you run your organization by don't change, and and they have been consistent for a long, long time, and and hopefully we've been consistent as well, and, and that will carry the day um, over a period of time. Do you know Bill Belichick well? I wouldn't say I know him well. I know him. I've had uh, some conversations with him over the years. We've we've done some you know some trades over the years. 
I think he's much closer to Sean than than uh, than certainly I am. But but man, I just have so much respect for him and and the work that he's done and how he runs his his team and and um, yeah, I don't want to give him too many accolades though before we call him. <laughs> uh, one thing we haven't talked about, and that was what a what a September it was uh, for Caesar Superdome. Uh, we had Garth Brooks, then your home opening win with Tennessee, uh, Beyonce, and just kind of the pe- the fans getting their first look. Now, the renovation is f- far from over. We've got a complete west side of the building to do, but any any chance that you've had a chance to talk to fans and kind of how they have liked uh, the new openness and the new spaces uh, that the renovation have provided? Yeah, I, you know, I haven't really talked to any of, of – uh our fans about what's been done. Obviously it's half done. Uh, I've seen it. I've walked it. I walked it before um, season began. I was really impressed with the work that was done and just really proud of the fact that we've got this building that was built in the seventies and it's still, you know, a top venue, uh, a good enough venue for all these, these uh, non-football acts to come in a, a venue where we can hold, um, an NFL football game uh, at the highest level, and we can still attract Super Bowls and Sugar Bowls and national championship games. Um, that speaks to the vision that uh, the original architects uh, uh, and people that made that happen. Uh, ha- you know, it just speaks to how um, how smart they were, really. Yeah, um, way ahead. And of also to listen, also to all of the people that have been involved at the state and local level. Um, and, you know, the people in our organization who continue to make this um, not just a viable building, but um, an awesome venue. Well, and you're, you're kind of like, uh, like me, you, we, we spend a lot of time on the West side, on the G side in the press box. That, that side hasn't been, hasn't, that'll come next year. So a lot of the things that will happen and have happened on the East, uh, we will see uh, in, in person uh, next year. So I can't wait because then the 24 season and then the 25 Super Bowl, which will be the 50th year of, of this building. So looking very much forward to it. So let's pause 10 seconds to let stations identify themselves along the network here on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints radio network. And when we come back on the Saints hour, he can speak to the Saints and the Patriots because he played for both. He's the 2006 fifth round pick for the New Orleans Saints, Rob Ninkovich. He'll also tell us about the real Bill Belichick. Keep it right here on the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour, everyone. Mike Haas along with Saints Executive Vice President Mickey Loomis and Rob Minkovich, the Saints 2006 fifth round pick out of Purdue. Uh, Rob, welcome to the show. Where, where are you calling from? Where are you right now? <laughs> What's up, guys? Nice to be on the show with you. Um, right now, I am in walpole massachusetts and the sun is out it's been nasty raining here the last couple of days so i know down in nola you all have had a bunch of sunshine and it's been hot 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 so up here up north in new england um we've been we've been praying for some sun and we got it today so i'm about to go get my kids here in a little bit and that's that's what i'm doing right now ironically we're praying for rain because we've got salt coming up the river so it's a it's a whole nother ball game whatsoever in new orleans it's always it's always something uh give me a sense uh and then i'll get out of the way here a little bit and let you and mickey talk of, of when you got drafted in, in 06 because we always talk about the 06 class 
you know, in the, in the 17 class, you know, of did you have a sense of kind of how special potential wise that class had in 06? Well, honestly, you know, I'll, I'll take you back in time, 2006. I didn't expect um, to be drafted by the Saints. I really didn't expect that. And I had previously been working out with the Patriots and the Cowboys. You know, they brought me in for workouts. Um, and I was a tweener as far as size goes. So I was 6'2", 260. And funny story, I literally was at my house. And the fourth round goes by, and I'm, I'm starting to get antsy. I'm thinking, okay, where am I going to go? And I was picked 135, and the Patriots were 136. So when my phone rang, I thought I was just going to go to the Patriots. And the history, history, right, after this, I get drafted by the Saints. So what I did initially, number one, my mom asked me, you know, what's the one place that you don't see yourself going. I said the Saints, which is funny that I was drafted there. And then number two, I looked at the roster. The first thing I did was go online. I looked at the roster, and every defensive end was 6'3", 290. They were huge. So, you know, you had Will Smith and Charles Grant. Um, you had these bright, you know, you had these big guys. So in my head, I'm thinking, man, how am I going to fit in this scheme? But, you know, when we got the Bill Saps, and going, yeah, going way back to 2006, and we had a special draft class. And when I say special, with Reggie Bush, um, obviously his college career was unbelievable. Um, if he was playing today, he'd be making $10 million in, with NIL and all the deals. But um, he was so special. And then Roman Harper, one of my best friends still to this day, um, unbelievable safety. And then you go Jari, you look at Jari and what, what Jari Evans was able to do, Hall of Fame-type career. Um, and then later in the rounds, myself, I, you know, with me and having the injuries that I had early in my career, um, just the amount of guys and the amount of games with Zach and Colston, myself, Jari, Roman, Reggie, like we had so many good quality players that played for a long, long time you know, that, that was a special draft class. And, and it, I still have a great relationship with everybody. I, I still talk to Zach constantly. Um, Roman, I talked to him yesterday. Reggie, I talked to him. So it's not only was it a great draft class, but the quality of the person, the guy, the player that the Saints brought into the building is what catapulted, you know, 06 towards that up, uphill 2009 when they won the Super Bowl. Um, it was the draft class that was really that foundation of that upswing and that resurgence of the, the Saints. Mike you know, uh, and Rob, you know what's interesting is that every year, you know, there's 256 players drafted. And roughly about 40 of those guys that get drafted each year will end up with a 10-year or longer NFL career. So that 2006 class had six guys that had a 10-year-plus NFL career. And I've done the research. I've gone back 5 to 30 years and can't find another draft class with six players that had 10-plus years. There's three other ones since 2000 that have had five guys, um, one of which was the 2000 Saints draft. Another one was the 2000 Jets draft. And then the 2006 Bengals draft had five guys. But no one 
had six guys in a draft class that uh, played 10 plus uh, years. So you're part of a unique class, Rob. My only regret is it wasn't 10 years with the Saints. And look, Sean <laughs> yeah. and I have talked about that oftentimes about, yeah. uh, man, what yeah. a mistake we made. Um, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have the right vision for you. And, and look, it as painful as it is to look back at your success, and, and it, it's not painful from the standpoint of us wishing anything bad on you. It's just painful on the, on the, um, on the point that it wasn't with us. But I will say this, it changed the way um, I, we thought about drafting players um, in this regard. Look, that was, that was the first class with, with, uh, that we drafted that Sean was here with his staff. And we didn't do a good enough job with our coaches really uh, identifying the, the things that we were looking for at each position. And so that was really the impetus behind us spending more time with our scouts and understanding exactly what our current coaching staff is looking for. Because, our, look, I'm pretty proud of the draft uh, history that we have here. I think we do an excellent job. Our scouts do an excellent job. We certainly had the talent identified. But we didn't have the right vision for Rob um, in particular. And we, we've refined our process over the years, particularly you know since Jeff Ireland's been here, so that we're clear as to um, what the vision we have for every player we draft and how that vision fits with what our coaches are looking for. So even though it wasn't with us, Rob, you made a big impact on, on the New Orleans Saints. Yeah, and, you know, listen, I, I think when you're young, and everyone listening probably understands this, when you're a young person, doesn't matter if you're an athlete, there's things that happen that really – kick you off, get you mad. And, you know, for me, when I was young, it was a very big motivating factor. Yes, that I was injured. So those things that you don't realize as you get older and now that I'm on the outside and I've been in, in the NFL for, I was 11 years as a player, you see things that if you're evaluating talent and you're a coach, you can't, you can't help a team if you're injured. So when I got hurt in that opening uh, game with against, Atlanta Falcons, the Superdome opening game, um, that kind of really was the the downfall of what happened in New, in New Orleans because I really had a good opportunity. You know, the, I was playing around 25, 30 snaps on a rotation as the third defensive end and playing special teams. So the injury set me back. Um, and I think really things happen for a reason. Fate, call it God. You know, I went to New Orleans. I met my wife. We've been together 17 plus years. You know, we got three kids. Um, my family's all still down in New Orleans. We go down there all the time. I got, I had a house down there. I still have property. So it, things happen for a reason. More with former Saint and Patriot linebacker Rob Ninkovich ahead of Sunday's game in Foxborough. This is the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee New Orleans Saints Radio Network. Welcome back to the Saints Hour. Mike Koss, along with Saints Executive Vice President and General Manager Mickey Loomis and former Saint and Patriot linebacker Rob Ninkovich. We talk so much about uh, Bill Belichick and the Saints and their successful organization and the Patriots and Brady and Breeze. You know, Tell me, what is Bill Belichick like on game day? Like, what? I can't imagine. All I see is post game, and, and I don't. You know, that's. Yeah. What is he like no, for I, you? Yeah. So Bill with me, um, 
think of it this way, the, the whole media aspect of things and what you see in Bill after a game, you know, he, he's a coach, first and foremost. He loves coaching football. He loves the game. He loves teaching the game. He loves every aspect of being a coach. The media stuff, we all, we've seen it, right? He's not going to give you anything to take and run with it. He's not going to give you a headline. He's not going to give you what the, you're, they're trying to get. The media is trying to get something out of him. Um, so for me, it's two different aspects, two different complete bills. You know, you have your your media bill. Who, if you're a media person, you're trying to get a question. It's not going to work, right? He's not going to give you anything. But then you have the coach, who you know, in my eight years with Bill, um, I was able to earn the respect that once you get it and once Bill understands, okay, Rob knows every, he knows all the situations. He knows all every play that we're going to run in this game. He knows every other position and where they need to be and what they're going to do. So early in my career, I was terrified to make a mistake because I didn't want to come off. I didn't want to get benched. I didn't want to come off the field. And I think Bill at a certain point gives you the trust and gives you the reins of, okay, Rob, you missed the play, but I know you're going to make another one to make it up, right? And that's the that's the thing that Bill, once you earn that trust in him, it it gives you that that confidence inside to know, okay, I'm good. Bill has Bill has trust in me. I'm going to run this defense. I'm going to make a play. I can make. And if I let one up, like I used to early in my career, come off the field, beat myself up, and Bill look at me and say, hey, hey, Rob, it's second and eight. It's okay. It was a two-yard game. We're going to be all right, you know? And I'd be beating myself up on a two-yard game, but that's just the way I am. You know, like, I can't believe I didn't let the guy fall forward for two yards. And, you know, he's like, hey, Rob, it's fine. You know, second eight's fine. You know, second and two, not, you know? So um, over time, when I was in the later, later parts of my career, I'd make a mistake, and Bill wouldn't even say anything to me. He would just look at me and I'd say, I know, I got it. I got it. I'll fix that. And he knew that I would. So that's the one part about, you know, the player and the coach. And I think Bill does a great job of relaying that message. Well, yeah, that, that's well said. Although I bet you could have done without being at Millsaps College um, <laughs> that summer. That was, well, a tough camp. that was a tough training camp. I think I my arm, the, the skin on my arms and neck is a, was – uh, affected by the 135 degree baking turf that we we're on every single day. It felt like I was in a, uh, uh, sun, a suntan bed every single day and no breeze. Uh, and we had, I remember walking out on that little turf. Yeah. I remember walking out on that, that turf field one day. Go ahead. The fields were uneven. So the grass fields where they prepared us to go, it was uneven and we couldn't practice on it. it was unsafe. So we were on the turf for basically almost every practice. And if you could get a video, I wish somebody had like a, an actual video of the rookie trailers that we were in. It was absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> we were behind the locker room in a trailer. It was like one of those temporary construction trailers with plastic showers, metal like lockers that it, it was just, unreal but guess what yeah hard times and you know we went through it's like a the training camp was supposed to be like a boot camp it was supposed to be you know 
Let your identity is gone. Whoever you are, we're the saints now. We're trying to build something special, and it did. You know that was a that was a heck of a season that year. Yeah, that was a, that. Listen, that's one of those things that when you're going through it. I remember walking out there at one point, and the uh, bottom of my tennis shoes was sticking to the turf because it was melting, and I thought, ah, this isn't good. No, <laughs> and, no. And uh, but it's one of those things you go through, uh, particularly as a player, and you hate it. But when you look back on it 15 years later, it's something you needed to do, and, and it made you better, um, both mentally and physically. So, well, I don't know about physically, but definitely mentally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I try to explain this to people. The kids now, the players now, nobody understands the concept of a two-a-day, right? You can't do it anymore. But the worst part about the whole process was after the first practice, your shoes were like you had jumped in a pool. They were so wet and so full of sweat. Your pads, everything was so soaked because you were sweating so much. You knew in three hours you had to put all that nasty stuff back on. <laughs> that was a mental challenge, understanding my shoes, my pads that are soaked and drenched. I'm going to have to put these on in about three hours and go do this all over again. That was the hard part about two-a-days. Yeah, that that was tough. Although I would say that, man, that that season, how special it was coming back to New Orleans and being in the dome, um, kind of yep. made all that worthwhile. Well, I got I got one question for I got a question for you, Rob. So yes, sir. You know, you went to Purdue. Paige went to LSU. So if yep. Purdue plays LSU, who are your kids rooting for? LSU. <laughs> LSU all day because, well, first of all, Joe Burrow and LSU, everything that they had done in the last four or five years, my kids are so into the Tigers, and my son wants to play for the Tigers. Um, Paige wants the kids to go to LSU because she wants to do the tailgating and all the fun stuff that's included in having your son or daughter go to LSU. So I would say in the fun factor, LSU is winning when it comes to you know, the parents wanting to enjoy the kids going to LSU and enjoying the football games and enjoying all the things that come with that. So 100% LSU. Well, our fans will like that. That's for sure. Yeah. And my wife, my wife to this day is like, oh, she has a crush on Joe Burrow. I know that's funny to say it, but she's just like, he's just so handsome. I said, yeah, he's a handsome guy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think the whole state uh, of Louisiana has a crush on Joe Burrow. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, well, I know one thing. I've written down way too many questions because well, we're not going to need them. Uh, I could listen to this for a long time. But I, I do want to ask, I'm curious, only because you played in two Super Bowls. Had you stayed with the Saints in 09, you would have played here as well. But you, you won two in New England. I want to talk February 2017, L.I., yep. Super Bowl 51, 28-3, a number that uh, is seen around this building today. I'm in the Superdome. Uh, tell, just tell me about what the locker room was like at halftime. Well, you know, I just, I just actually talked about this um, with Julian and a couple guys that were actually in the locker room at that point, Julian Edelman, that is. And the one crazy part is everybody outside of – just the football world thinks that there's this misconception on 
what a locker room halftime speech is. And you, you've seen all the varsity blues and the movies and blah, blah, blah. There really wasn't, it, it was nothing like that, honestly. And that was embarrassing. And that's not a reflection of what we are as a team. And you could kind of feel it. You could feel that the Falcons started to turn the other way. And maybe they weren't as focused on the outcome as they were in the first or second quarter. That feeling that we were coming and we started to come on in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, we were rolling. The Falcons, they couldn't do anything. They couldn't stop us. And it was my last game as a professional. Like, I, I decided after that, like, listen, I, this game has brought me so much and I had so many ups and downs, highs and lows, that after this one, what does what 12 years in the NFL give me that I don't, they don't already have after 11? Like, there was nothing else that was going to top it. So that's why I decided to walk away. Appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh, it was awesome. Um, and I'll be in touch with you. That's a wrap on the Saints Hour. My thanks to Charlie Long in the booth and, of course, to Mickey Loomis and Rob Ninkovich. We look forward to having you listen in next week after the Patriots game here on the Saints Hour on the Community Coffee, New Orleans Saints Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 